The question for today's message is, if that day were today, if Jesus were to return today, are you prepared to meet him face to face? That's the real question that the gospel writers often pose to us. We're going to be looking at 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 through 11 today, but in light of the timing of this text that the Lord has uh, placed on our sermon schedule, and once again, I'm not surprised at the events in the world. Yesterday morning, uh, Israel came under a, a major strategic attack from one of the two largest uh, terrorist groups that seeks to annihilate Israel, the, the group that is attacking Israel right now that Israel is, is actively at war with is called Hamas. Hamas is, if you've read anything about it or you saw the news yesterday, it was all over the news. Hamas is a uh, organization that seeks to completely destroy and wipe out Israel to, to end the nation of Israel. Hamas is uh, located in the Gaza Strip, which for many of us were geographically challenged, but the Gaza Strip is the land of the Philistines from the Old Testament biblical times. It is uh, often referred to as the West Bank Territory. It's the area that's on the southwestern corner of the nation of Israel. And it has been occupied under an agreement made a couple decades ago uh, by enemies of Israel, uh, part of the international agreements over time. One of the struggles that, that we always have and that I, I have as well, as soon as things begin to fire up, in the Middle East, especially around Israel, I think it's wise for us to at least keep one eye attuned to what's going on over there. Because ultimately, the creation, God's creation of the world began over there in the Middle East, and that is where he's going to bring the major events. That's where the major events are going to happen that are going to bring uh, to culmination God's purpose and God's plan in our world. Now, I'm always a little cautious because when we read the biblical writers, you'll see this phrase that we see today in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7, when he'll say something like this, the end of all things is near. Uh, Peter had in mind that, that we had entered into a, a, a final epic, a final era of time, a dispensation, if you will, of time that was going to culminate in the end, that once Jesus died, was buried, and rose again and ascended to the Father, the next step is going to be Jesus' return, and we don't know when that step is. We don't have a firm date or a time for that. We have some clues. We're told to, to be watchful, to be aware that there's going to be wars and rumors of wars, Jesus says. There's, and, and, and certainly when things begin to happen in the Middle East, it is wise for us to pay attention. Now, on the other side of that, Commentators are even saying that, that what's happening right now compares to the last major war that broke out in 1973, so 50 years ago. So my point is that we need to pay attention and we need to be attuned to that and understand, and, and it should be a trigger for our heart to ask that question, am I ready for Jesus' return? Because it may, this may very well be the, the, the beginning of a call of, of, of a a series of events that's going to culminate for us as the church in the rapture, the return of Christ before uh, the end times begin to play out. So how should we respond to that? How ought we act? Christians have historically had all kinds of responses, but scripture uh, 
I think especially from what we see from the, the writers of the epistles give us the best clues. And we're going to see that in Peter today. And I'm going to point over to a couple others because this phrase is not unique to Peter. This idea that the end times is near, that we're coming near the end. And, and the advice is pretty consistent. So read with me the text. First Peter chapter four, this is where we are today. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and sober-minded in prayer or for prayer. Above all, maintain constant love for one another, since love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. If anyone speaks, let it be as one who speaks God's words. If anyone serves, let it be from the strength God provides so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Now I want to begin just to, to focus on that phrase. This is, this is where we launch. The end of all things is near. Peter is going to give us an ethical response. How all we respond knowing that the end of all things is near. Now, what does Peter mean by that? I think from the context here uh, in Peter, he uses this, this idea of the, the, he uses the word telos a couple other times in this letter. He uses it back in chapter one, he uses it in chapter three, which, which telos means completion or the end, but he uses it in different ways uh, in those other occurrences. Here in this context, it seems to simply be that, hey, Christ died, Christ rose again, and uh, the next step is, is, is going to be his return. And so we've come into a time where you need to be prepared for Christ's return. Now, I, I believe that, the earth, that these authors of these epistles, many of them believe that Jesus was going to return in their time. I think Paul, as you read his writings carefully and you understand, of course, in, with Paul, we have so many of the New Testament letters and you have them over a period of time. Early on in his ministry, he felt like the return of Christ was imminent. It could be any day. As he grew older and he was nearing death, you begin to hear in his, his uh, tone that, you know what, I may die before Jesus comes back, but if so, be aware Jesus is coming back and, and be, be prepared for that. And ultimately, I think that that's the understanding that you and I need to have. I may die before Jesus returns, but if not, I need to be prepared because he might come back this afternoon. And when you see things happening like they're happening over in Israel, that, that dial should, it should be turned up a little bit on, on uh, your focus. Understanding that Christ may return at any moment and understanding even beyond that, that I may stand before him in judgment at any moment impacts how I should live my life. Paul put it this way in Romans chapter 13. He said, besides this, since you know the time, it is already the hour for you to wake up from sleep because now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Wait a minute, Paul, you're just using logic there. If I was saved 10 years ago, of course, the time of my salvation, the time of my, my uh, standing before God is nearer than it was 10 years ago. Well, ultimately, that's where we are. It's, it's just simply logic. You don't know how many days you have left. And we don't know how many days we have before God brings the culmination of history. 
and, and his son returns. Paul writes in that in verse 12 there, the night is nearly over and the day is near. So let us discard the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk with decency as in the daytime. And so you hear a theme from Paul, very similar to what you hear from Peter. Now, James uses that in times idea or that in times uh, uh, phrase when he says the time is near. He uses it in a different way. He uses it to encourage a church that is hurting. He puts it this way. Uh, you must also be patient. Strengthen your hearts because the Lord's coming is near. Those two focuses or foci, if you look at the, uh, an English teacher out there, those two ideas rooted in the fact that Christ could come back any moment are important for us to grab a hold of. One, as a Christian, we don't have to panic. We can be comforted as James tries to comfort those in his church who are hurting, those who are going through rough times. How many times have you heard something like this? I've heard it just yesterday. Man, things are such an incredible mess. Lord Jesus, I hope he comes soon, right? Lord, come. We're ready for you to come. Our world needs you to put an end to the mess that's on this earth. There's a comfort in that. There's an understanding that when Christ returns, I'm ready. If Jesus were to return today, I'm going to step into his presence. But I'm afraid there are some who feel like they're ready and they're not. We saw this in Amos. There are some who, who they, they clamor for, they, they, they look forward to the day of the Lord, not understanding that when the day of the Lord comes, they will be condemned because of their sin. So ultimately, the question for you and I is, are you ready? Are you prepared as the end draws near? If Jesus were to return today, are you comfortable that you could stand before him in a relationship with him, knowing that you're going to step into his presence, that, you're, that you are saved from your sin and saved from the wrath that's to come in the end? Now, Peter gives He's writing to Christians here, so he gives Christians some encouraging words. He gives us some direction, but in that direction, I, I, I want to take a little tangent here in a moment to talk to anybody here that may not know for sure. So the first thing that Peter addresses is how we as Christians should respond personally in our personal relationship with Christ. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and be sober-minded for prayer. The way that the, the sentence is constructed there, the idea of prayer it tends to be the focus because he's saying that we need to be alert in our prayer and we need to be sober-minded in our prayer. Those two things sound very similar, and they are uh, in, in our mind, but there's two different Greek words there that I want to focus on very quickly. The first one, when he says be alert, he uses the word uh, sophron or, or sophrae. It comes from the idea of, of uh, philosophy, so the, the sophie that we attach on the end of some of our words to, to, uh, to have wisdom about or to be mindful of, uh, to reason through something, okay? Philosophy would be a reasoning through uh, philosophical thoughts. That the idea is to be mindful, reasonable, or of sound mind, to be serious in your head in prayer, 
And so he's commanding us. In fact, these are both commands. Be reasonable of sound mind, thinking through, focused on your relationship with the living God in prayer. What is prayer? Prayer is that connection between you and God. It's not just you coming to God begging for things, but it's you humbling yourself before a living, holy God and, and lifting your, your request to him, praying to him, laying out your burdens to him, and listening to what he has to say to you. Prayer is the, the, the core, intimate part of our relationship with a holy God. So Peter's command, well, this is a command, your prayer life ought to come alive when you understand that the end is near. You ought to be more prayerful, more focused. When you're, when you're thinking about, when you're in tune with the idea that the end of all things is near, you ought to be focused on that relationship with God, mindful and serious in your prayer life. The next word that he uses when he says to, that, that is translated here to be sober-minded is a word that, that means more of self-controlled, or well-balanced. So ultimately, there needs to be discipline, self-control in your prayer. You need to have a seriousness and you need to have a discipline in your relationship with the Lord, in your walk with him and in your prayer life that is magnified in the understanding that the end is near. Now, in all honesty, this just makes sense. From a pastoral standpoint, I find that if, if a church member, or if I, for that matter, somebody in my family goes to the doctor and gets a diagnosis of cancer, and they're concerned that the end may be near, all of a sudden their prayer life begins to flourish, doesn't it? When we have a sense that we may very well soon stand before God, when we have a sense of our immortality, our prayer life becomes more serious. It becomes more active. And it becomes more disciplined. It becomes more regular. We tend to desire time in the presence of God when we're going through those kind of times. Peter's telling the church here look, folks, the end is near. That you ought to live life every single day. Your prayer life ought to reflect the thought that you understand that the end is near. Today could be the day. This afternoon could be the time that Jesus returns. And if it's not his return, today could be the day that you stand before the presence of a holy God. You know, this is becoming more real to me for one, one reason in particular. I'm approaching the age that my second oldest brother, Rodney, which many of y'all knew him, he was a church member here for a while. I'm approaching that age of when he came home from church, worshiped with his church family in the morning, came home from church. His wife, who was in real estate, went to show a home. He walked out of the backyard to fill a swimming pool with water for their, their dog as it was a hot afternoon in August and had a heart attack and died in the backyard. He had no idea. He had no preparation for that. The end was near, and he didn't know it. See, the truth is, you and I don't know. 
So Peter's encouragement, Paul's encouragement to us is to make sure that when you're thinking about it, when you're reading this letter, that you are prepared for the end because it could come at any moment. So that's my question. First of all, Christian, are you walking in a relationship with Christ that is honoring him today? Are you spending time with him in prayer? Are you spending time in his word? Are you serious, methodical, sound-minded, reasonable in your relationship with the Lord? Are you walking with him today? As the Lord returns today, you are ready for it. But I understand that especially as, as this goes out online and it's recorded and someone else may see it later this week, there may be some that you'd say, well, pastor, I'm not sure because I've never really had a walk with Christ like that. I've never begun that journey. You're the one that I'm most concerned about because if you've never entered into a relationship with Christ, you've never put your faith and trust in him and started a journey with him, if you were to take your last breath today or Jesus were to step out of heavens as we look toward Israel, toward the east, and we see Christ coming in the clouds, it would be too late for you. If you are not sure, if you were to step out in your yard and take your last breath today, if you're not sure that you're ready to meet Christ, I plead with you to make sure. The scripture tells us that those who call upon the name of the Lord can be saved. You can have your sins forgiven and you can be prepared to meet him. For some of us Christians, if Christ was to come back today, we'd be a little embarrassed, but we'd still be saved. But if you don't know Christ as your savior, it's more than embarrassment. You're without hope for eternity. Peter writes to you, the end is near. Wake up, Paul says, be alert. Don't, don't continue in your slumber. It's too important to not pay attention to it. It's too important not to think through it, to be reasonable about it. If you don't know Christ, you have not made the decision to, to follow Christ as your Savior, to follow him as your Lord, don't put it off. The end is near, and you don't know when that end is. When Christ comes, he'll come in a moment. In the blink of an eye, he'll return. And you won't have time then to turn toward him. All you'll have time to do is look up and say, oh no, I'm too late. Be alert, be reasonable in your relationship with the Lord as you pray and seek him. Peter then goes on to give us some instructions of how we ought to act toward one another. This is where his real ethic comes out. First, he tells us to maintain constant love. I wish he wouldn't have put that word constant in there. You know, I can love some of y'all some of the time, but he's telling me I gotta love you all the time. 
constantly, consistently. Ultimately, I, I think the part of the reason Peter uses that phrase here is because you know what would happen with me? I, I would treat my wife well for six and a half days. And that afternoon that I was being a jerk is when Jesus would return, right? <laughs> so Peter, Peter says, maintain a constant love, a consistent love for one another. There he uses the word agape. And, and he uses this phrase that comes out of Proverbs, love covers a multitude of sins. The idea as he uses it here, it's not that somehow because you love someone else that sins are forgiven, but as you love one another, a lot of those little things just kind of don't matter as much. When you're, when you're, we talked about this at the wedding yesterday, when you're a love relationship with one another, the most intimate of all relationships, and when a husband and life, wife love each other well, you forgive a lot of things that that irritate you or, or, or that bother you or even, even sins one another commits. When there's a history of love that is consistent over time, it's easy to move past uh, those challenges in a relationship. And this is a relational verse. It's, Paul's talk, I mean, Peter's talking about how we treat one another in light of the fact that Jesus could come back any moment. We love one another. And the word that he uses is agape sacrificial love, self-surrendered love, loving as God loves, loving, not expecting anything in return, maintain constant love for one another. And then he says, be hospitable to one another. Be hospitable to one another. The, the root of the word that's translated hospitable there is another word for love in the Greek New Testament. It's phileo. So it's where we get the, the idea of brotherly love. Peter's used that word in other places in, in 1 Peter as well. And so here Peter is actually talking about, in, in, in our language, uh, two different kinds of love. He's talking about self-sacrificing love, that, that you are, you're giving up yourself and, and, and loving one another as God would love you, even when someone sins against you because that covers a multitude of sins. And now he's saying, but you also are to love one another with brotherly love. You're to treat one another with hospitality. You're to treat them like you would a family member. You as believers are supposed to come together and, and love on one another and, and give to one another and sacrifice for one another and care for one another, meet the, the physical needs of one another with hospitality. Now, once again, Peter adds a qualifier there. I think sometimes even when we're showing hospitality, we have a hard time doing it without complaining. So Peter's command is love constantly and be hospitable, showing real physical love, caring for one another without griping about it, without complaining. If God has called you to serve one another, do it without complaining. Serve one another as you would Christ. Be hospitable to one another. Accept one another into your homes as you, as you would Christ into your home. Be hospitable and loving in how you care for one another within the church. Fourth, he tells us, to employ your gifts. If God has given you a gift, just as each one has received a gift, in fact, it's not if God has given you a gift, because God has gifted you, okay, 
Romans chapter 12, the apostle Paul speaks of the ministry gifts that God has given to every believer that we're to employ for the good of one another according to our faith. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul speaks of the, the, the power gifts that the Holy Spirit uh, enables believers to do miraculous things. He, he gives us uh, manifestations of the Spirit, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says, of, of healing and faith and, and special words of knowledge and discernment. Those are manifestations of the Holy Spirit that God gives us. And in both cases, the gifts that God gives us, whether they're functions of the believer or manifestations of the Spirit, those gifts are always given to us for the good of others, for the good of the church. God hasn't he doesn't give us gifts so that we can go out and gain for ourselves. God gives us gifts. He gifts us that they might be employed for the good of one another. Do you hear a theme here? If Jesus were re to return today, what ought to be the image that your life was putting out? What, what's your, what should your life look like? You should be consistently loving each other. You should be hospitable to one another and you should be using your gifts to serve one another. Wait a minute. I thought if, if the end times were, were, were near, if I knew that my end was near, I needed to make a list of all of the cool things that I, I need my bucket list, right? All the things that I need to do for me. Peter has the exact opposite approach. If, if the end is near and you're going to live as though Christ could come back today, your life ought to be reflective of how you love one another, how you're hospitable to one another, how you serve one another. We ought to be others-centered, others-focused, not selfish and focused on ourselves. Fourth, if, if anyone speaks... Let him be as one who speaks God's words. So what comes out of your mouth, if Christ is, is, is coming back today, if the end is near, if your end is near, and you're going to live as though you, you've got a short time left on this earth, your life ought to reflect God's character, his love, his service, but it also ought to reflect his words. What comes out of your mouth needs to be honoring to God. Even more than that, what comes out of your mouth should be God's words. You ought to be spending time in God's word and you ought to be declaring the word of God. You ought to be, be reminding people of their need for Jesus. The good news, the gospel ought to be front and center in your life. Let me ask, very simply, some of you have been praying for lost neighbors and friends. Some of you have been praying for lost family members. Some of you know that if your brother, your sister, your parent, your child, your grandchild, your close cousin, some of you know, you believe that if they were to die today, they would spend eternity separated from God. You've been praying for them. Your heart aches for them. Some of, some of you have already gone and talked to them about it. Some of you haven't. And if God did finally decide to give us that sign. Put that, put that time stamp in the window. 5 p.m. Eastern time. Jesus will return today. Is there somebody that you would go tell before five? Is there somebody that you would go 
tell, speak the gospel to before five o'clock. You, you can't save them. You know that. And I know that. But is there somebody that you'd want to give a chance one more time? The end of all things is near. If you speak, speak God's words. And then finally, he says, and if you serve, let it be from his strength. Now, that's a curious way to put that. He doesn't say just serve God, but he says, if you're going to serve others, serve according to his power, according to his strength, which indicates that you've got to be so connected in your relationship with the Lord that the power of the Holy Spirit is going to flow through you to accomplish God's work through you. In, in Christ's power, you're, you're enabled to do things that you cannot do in your own strength or in your own power. So you're not dependent upon your strength. You're not dependent upon your power. You're, you're dependent upon the power of God as you serve and you're connected in a relationship with Christ, serve according to God's strength. And what happens when you serve by faith according to God's strength, people look at you and go, wow, that's not from him. Well, that's not from her. And Christ then gets the glory for what just took place, not you. I absolutely love it when God's timing is perfect. When, when, when you just have to look at it and you say, I, I just can't deny that God was in that. I, I've shared stories like that for you many times. I, one that's on my mind today is one of the three people that when we started praying for the lost, there were three people in particular that I was praying for. Two of them, I wasn't sure whether they were lost or saved because of where they are, their, their, their life. One of those guys, we were here. I was standing up with this pulpit right down there and, and we were talking about these guys. I had, we just prayed for these three guys and one of them texted me. Between 6.30 and 7 o'clock, while we were here praying for the lost, one of them texted me and said, could you call me as soon as you can? As soon as we finished prayer, I went to my office, and I called him, and he said, I need to know for certain that I'm saved. Can you tell me I can know for sure? Look, that's God's power at work. Because we were intentional, mindful, reasonable in our prayers. We're praying for the lost. I couldn't have planned that. I couldn't have scheduled that. And I honestly don't believe in coincidences when stuff like that happens. That's the power of God at work doing something that you and I couldn't do. His timing is perfect. When we submit ourselves to him and serve according to his power and his strength, we'll get to see things happen that you can't explain in human terms. And then finally, Peter ends by saying all of this is for the purpose of God's glory. You know, as the end of time nears, and whether it's today or whether it's tomorrow, it's all going to bring glory and honor to Jesus Christ. He's going to be the one descending from heaven in the clouds. He's going to be the one whom everyone worships. It's all going to be about him. It's not going to be about me and my problems and my struggles, my health, 
or how much money I had in the bank. It's all going to be about Jesus. It's going to be to his praise, to his honor, to his glory, because he and he alone is the only one who deserves it. It's going to be according to his power forever. That's why Paul writes in in Philippians chapter 2, there's coming a day when every knee shall bow, every knee in the heavens, every knee on earth, and every knee under the earth. There's coming a day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That day is coming. That day is just as sure as the sun is shining today. That I'm, I'm confident that that day is coming just as sure as I am that Jesus rose up out of the grave because when he rose up out of the grave, he sealed it. He set it in stone. And just as, as it's a historical event that Jesus rose from the grave, there's a day that Jesus is returning. And we don't know with that exact day and we don't know that exact hour. Now, Peter encourages us to live like it is today. Live like that moment is near. Your walk with the Lord ought to reflect it. It ought to have a seriousness, a mindfulness in your relationship with the Lord in your prayer and how you love and walk with one another as brothers and sisters in Christ ought to reflect it. And what comes out of your mouth ought to reflect it. Our, our ethic, our lives should, should reflect the fact that we truly believe that Jesus is coming back and it could be any moment. If not, I'm going to ask that you just simply pray that the Holy Spirit would make the corrections in your life to align your heart and your life with that fact that Jesus could be coming back today. You've been listening to a Sunday morning message from our services here at First Baptist Watauga. Our family's mission is to exalt the Savior, equip the saints, and evangelize the lost. If you want to know more about First Baptist Watauga or need to reach out to us for prayer, go to fbcwatauga.org and let us know. In all things, to God be the glory, honor, and praise.